So you're telling me that the camp preview, like y'all did some type of humongous game or like this game, but what I mean, did it go well? And camp preview, what is camp preview? Like camp preview is like where you're telling everybody about camp this summer? Yep. So we pull all of our campuses together for one night on a midweek instead of our normal okay. midweeks split. Okay. And we basically just preview camp. So, so you play a game though just to kind of have fun or what? Yeah, so we got a bunch of games out like as they're coming in. So they're playing with like the Zorb balls, and we got laser tag and whatever. The camps come in and bring that. Ah, okay. And then, then we move into the auditorium with everybody for like a service and a challenge, and then we open up camp registration. But when we got in there, so uh, we played this game. We pulled up a leader up from each campus, and we had a table set out, and there were buckets on the tables, and underneath the first four buckets were like little Nerf balls. So like a basketball and a football, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen this before? Mm-hmm. And then the end we had a hole cut in the table and we had one of our, we had the junior high pastor from one underneath the bucket with a wig on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They got to so go like, through each bucket and pick Name them as fast as they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, they yeah, get yeah, to the yeah, end yeah. and That's he classic, screams dude. at him. That's a classic. That's great. So you can only do this one time, right? You so can then, only do it like once every seven years. Right. Yeah. So then the... the, the <laughs> So the hey, last so you time, had, how many contestants did you have? We have four, because we have four campuses. Okay, so so, so you have tables up at the front, buckets covering yeah. items, and one uh-huh. of the buckets that was covering a person, right? Who yells at them, <laughs> and scares, and Where, scares. What them. do you do with the contestants? Take them all out of the room? No, so we do them one at a time. Okay. We took everybody out of the room, bring them in one at a time. Bring them in, so they don't know what's happening. So they have no idea. We explain the rules that they're going to name the item underneath. And you got to be outside because you can't see what the other items are. You can't see or here, yeah, or here. So then we they go through. We move them over to the side of the stage, right? So the first three guys go through, and we had a we had a stopwatch to time them. We told them we had to do it fast for timing, yeah, yeah. right? But the stopwatch didn't work. The batteries were dead, so we were just making up times. Making up times. So we move them over to the stage. So we got three guys, three of the three of the leaders standing on the side. Then we bring the last guy in and I hand him a bat, like a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, you're going to do the same thing these guys did. This underneath each dangerous. item. Okay. No, it's awesome. Underneath each item, underneath each bucket is an item. Uh, you're going to raise the item. Your goal is to do the same thing these guys did. You're going to hit it as fast and as hard as you can, as quickly as you can. Are you ready? And he's like, yeah. And so... The, the, of course, the kids are like, what? No. They're, I mean, you can hear it, you know? And yeah, the leaders yeah, yeah, on the yeah, stage yeah. are like, oh, no. So we bought a mannequin head and put the same wig on it underneath the last bucket. Oh, my right? gosh. So he goes through, boom, 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 boom. And he, and he we take the bucket off. And as soon as the bucket, and he was in on it. The last guy's in on it. Oh. So he knew. He knew. So you did. And so. Hold on. You took this next level. You <laughs> duped not only the contestants, but you duped the audience. Yeah, it was great. So here's the thing: he hits <laughs> he hits the mannequin before. head. This is he great. hits the mannequin head, and it goes flying. Right? I mean, it's it's zoom. wigs going one way, and so and everybody's <laughs> just like everybody thinks we just killed the junior high guy. But here's the thing: so I haven't done this in a while, right? Because again, you can only do this once every so. The first time, so when I did it before. People actually came to try to stop what was happening. Like they're they're kind of coming forward, leaning forward, or running over, trying to stop yeah, them. Yeah. Which I was fully expecting to happen again. Except that's not what happened this time. This now it's been a while. Okay, this time when I handed the bat to the last leader, all the kids took out their phones to record it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is amazing. 
I was like, amazing. oh, my gosh. Well, hey, everybody, if you made it to this point, that is Jody Livingston, who likes to hit leaders in the heads uh, with uh, bats. I'll send you. That's Jody. Hey, I'll, I'll, I want I a video. video. I'm, I'm going to send it to you. I'll send you the okay. video. Um, so uh, I think you ought to post that on the, uh, the Longer Hall Podcast Facebook group. Yeah, I can do that. Let's do that in a week or two. Okay. Um, so that's Jody Livingston. He's a, he's a youth pastor out in California. My name is Chris Trent. I am a youth pastor here in Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, and we're part of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, man, we have a ridiculously awesome episode today. I'm super, super yep. pumped about it. And matter of fact, a um, little, little preference right off, or a little setup on the front end. Um, super important that you take a moment to push pause. We want you to come back and listen for sure. But you're going to want to read the article. We're interviewing Dr. Ross today on an article that he wrote uh, called "A Radical uh, Time for a Radical Reevaluation of Youth Ministry." And the pot, the interview is incredible. It's so good. Dr. Ross just pours out of this great Gosh, every time, every time, every time. Uh, but. You're going to want, I can't emphasize, you're, it's, it's going to make so much more sense if you've read the article. And I know that's a different way to do the podcast than normal, and you might be listening in your car or wherever. But trust me, it, you put the, that together with listening to what Dr. Ross says and how he shares his heart behind why he wrote what he wrote, and it will be well worth your time. So take a moment. Yeah. Click on a link or go find the article. Just do a quick Google search for... Unless you're driving. Unless you're driving. Then uh, you can t- just listen and read after. Yeah, we'll link to it in show notes, but if you don't want to find all that, just Google search Richard Ross, Time for Radical Reevaluation of Youth Ministry. Find the article. Uh, we also link to it on our... Uh, one of our guys linked to it on our Facebook page. So our in Facebook group. So you can go Super Secret well. Podcast group. Yep. Um, it's good. You better. Uh, I mean, I'm, I have page of notes. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's like. At one point I, during the interview, I'm typing out. I'm, 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 I'm typing to uh, to Jody. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. It's just. But there's a lot of wisdom there. And if you're feeling stuck or you've got concerns long term about your students, this is a good one. So, so yeah, every, every now and then we have an interview and an episode where I find myself just listening Yep. And writing things. And you then and I realizing, did not talk much in this episode, which is going to be great for our listeners. No, we finished and I realized I kind of just listened. I didn't really say time. anything the yep. whole time. I didn't. Well, I mean, fall, at I, one point, I'm, I'm, a couple yeah. times I'm trying to enter, trying to enter, but it's just like I just need to be quiet. Listen. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just listen. Just learn. Hey, we have some amazing, ridiculously amazing sponsors and one of those is a, we is, is a game that we've been playing. Jody, tell us your experience oh, lately. So good. Is Aerosport. it going well? It's going great. We put it out every Wednesday. Aero Sports. So it's sport. air like in the air. O Sport. It's this amazing dot, game. Dot fun. Dot fun. This is the website. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, you have these Frisbee discs. You throw them and knock these rockets off this thing. And you yep. can play it a million different ways. Yep. And uh, it's very addicting. Yep. Great, great folks. Um, there's a... Uh, discount if you if you if you type uh, what is it longer haul longer haul yep, yep. and uh, they give a great discount free shipping and an upgrade on the discs as well can't recommend this game enough it's a game that you and I both actually are using in our student ministry and yeah. uh, it's taking a beating so far and it's 
Man, it's sturdy. It's, it's good. sturdy. Yeah, it's very, very sturdy. So, look, if you're looking for a great kind of, um, and I call it an equalizer game too. You, yeah, for you sure. Know, because it's, you don't have to be the most athletic and you don't have to be the biggest. Like a small middle school guy could beat a 100%. You know, super Big high athletic, school. whatever. So, and girls yeah. as well can play this thing like crazy and whoop up on the guys. So, Aero Sports, super awesome. Would love for you to go check those folks out. Thank you them for sponsoring us. And then also our super YM360. awesome YM360. If you've listened to the podcast very long, you know how awesome they are. Can't thank you enough. Uh, if you're looking for a great camp experience, camp's right around the corner. And if you are looking around right now going, oh, no, I don't have camp plans yet. It's not too late to jump on with those not guys. But they also have amazing curriculum resources books easter resources easter resource we're right in the middle of already but they have other devotionals as well um just a phenomenal group of folks can't recommend YM 360 enough and also guess what another discount code available um because we like discounts because we like discounts longer haul uh if you use that uh you get a discount so yep there you go so appreciate them all right well let's jump into this thing shall we uh, get right. ready, folks. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. If you've not listened, if you've not read the article yet, go read the article. Like I'm telling yeah. you, you're going to push pause. It's going to make so much more sense if you read the article. So take yeah. a moment, read the article, and then jump in. Or just listen twice. You can do that. You're going to want to listen twice anyway. I'm telling you, it's that good. Yeah, there's a lot. Yep. Okay, we've Beautiful. said enough. All right, here we go. Here's today's interview with uh, Dr. Richard Russ. Well, hey, everybody, I'm super excited today to welcome back to the show, Dr. Richard Ross. Dr. Ross, thank you so much for giving us some time super early on a on a Friday morning, spending a little time with us here on the Longer Haul Podcast. Welcome back. I love what you guys do. I'm honored to be a part this morning. Well, Jody and I, um, we both uh, ran across your article that was written, I guess, back in sometime in early December called uh, Time for Radical Reevaluation of Youth Ministry. And so Jody and I both ran across that article. And, of course, we're, we're um, I don't know what the right word, we're fans of yours. I, I, that's, that may not be the right way to say that, but we, we definitely have, uh, maybe a better way to say it would be that we have been students of yours, you know, in the past in terms of, and me directly as a student back when I was at uh, Southwestern. Um, but... So when we when we both read this article, um, and hopefully everybody listened, you know, prior to the show, we, we recommended that everybody take a minute and read the article before listening uh, to the podcast because that would help understand us a little bit. So if you hadn't done that yet, go ahead and still push pause and take a moment and read the article. Unless you're driving, uh, don't yeah, do it. don't do that then. Yeah, okay. Um, but that said, um, hopefully they take a moment. So we read the article, Doctor Ross, and. I even printed it out and used it in my student staff meeting as a way just to get some thoughts stirring. And surprise, surprise, it I think it causes a little heartburn for a lot of youth pastors when they read it. Um, so that I want to start there, if we could, with you, because if folks don't know you like Jody and I know you, they may think, well, this is this is just some guy out there writing clickbait, criticizing youth ministry. But that could not be further from the truth. 
from the standpoint of your heart for youth for youth ministry. So if somebody doesn't know you, give us a little quick history of your heart for youth pastors, your heart for youth ministry, and what where ultimately this came out of. Be happy to do that. Uh, I know this is going to sound really strange to most people, but I just the other day completed 50 years uh, with a direct focus on teenagers. Of course, the article references that as well. Uh, I will go to hospice without any shift of focus in my life. I love teenagers, not in the abstract. I love living, breathing teenagers. I love being with them. I know at my age, this sounds ridiculous, but I've just been through four Citywide Disciple Now weekends directly with the young people. It actually has worked. I feel like I have connected with them in all four cases. We've seen God settle upon a group of hundreds over a weekend and do wonderful things. I could not be more passionate about ministry to and with teenagers. But having said that, I believe strongly in ministering to teenagers through the student ministry of the church. I've given my life to it. I will continue to be passionate about that till the day I die. I believe an age group focused ministry to and with teenagers has tremendous value. I dramatically disagree with anyone that says fire all the youth ministers, get rid of anything that looks like age focused ministry and just tell kids to sit by mom and dad in church. I disagree with that dramatically. I believe, in fact, moving forward, that student ministry is going to is going to become more valuable to the church. I think it's going to be perceived as more valuable to the church. And I think the student pastor role itself is going to be viewed more positively by the church. In fact, I would love to think that salaries are going to increase because church leaders are going to figure out how strategic that particular position is. The only thing I'm calling for in this article is balance and a shift of focus. Uh, The student pastor, as he becomes more valuable, is going to become more valuable because he's spending some time, some of his time doing new things and a little less of his time doing some older things. The whole issue is how do you you raise up a generation to bring revival to the church and, and awakening to the culture? That's the point accomplish the Great Commission. And all I'm suggesting in the article is uh, we we took a model for 60 years. That's a pretty good test, 60 years. I think there are weaknesses to that model. We need a shift. We need a a shift of focus. And if we can do that, I think we're going to see more 18-year-old disciples walking out of youth groups. That's the goal. That's the point. And I think the student pastor will be leading the parade. And I think something called student ministry is still going to be valuable for the future. The reason I think it's so important for everybody to hear your heart on that is because it would be easy to read an article like this and and think, um, well, you know, I, this guy's just, you know, hammering youth ministry. And and if they see who you are, they're thinking, oh, man, he's like a boomer and he's just saying this stuff. And, you know, but the fact is I wanted everybody to hear not all, you have been passionate about youth ministry for all these years. And I happen to know you well enough to know that you're still living this. You're still hanging out with teenagers, you know, like you mentioned um, to this day. And when you're not speaking at a thing you're there at Wedgwood Baptist church doing your thing with teenagers and the parents of teenagers and impacting uh, youth, youth workers there. So that part is, is super important. Is it a stretch to say, Dr. Ross, uh, Jody, I'm wondering if this connects with you. It, 
this is a kind of a weird illustration, but it, it, this came to my mind while you were talking that we need to be willing in youth ministry to take a look at, and I would even drill this down even um, directly to the folks that are listening in their individual churches. We need to be willing to reevaluate our programming from time to time. And if we don't, we're going to end up like Blockbuster, you know, like the, like the old video VHS, you know, store, you know, um, where we, we, we end up missing out or we end up being not effective. Is that a stretch or do y'all feel like that kind of hits home? No, I I think it absolutely hits home. Yeah. Yeah, I just found my Blockbuster card, by the way, from the 90, from 1990. (laughs) I was going through a box of books from my office. You still have that? It was stuck in one of my theology books when I, when I was unpacking my office it, as a bookmark. It was like my blockbuster card. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. Dr. Ross is like, what does that matter? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's like 5.30 a.m. for me here, so my brain is slightly... Yeah, Dr. Ross, by the way, Jody, I forgot to even mention that. Jody is in California now, so this is like crazy early for him. Wow. So, yeah, but he, he's living this. Well, hey, let's jump, in, jump into the article for a minute here. Um, yeah. You end up giving four four shifts, you know, um, four four suggestions or four, I guess, you know, four things that 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 are causing some of the challenges. Um, what would you say, um, Jason Peck is one of our our listeners, and you know he he writes he's the one that actually posted the article and um, you know, he says the hard part for him is knowing the steps to take with the radical evaluation Um, and not for it to not get lost. I'm I'm quoting him. I'm not to get lost in something we talk about, shake our heads in agreement with, but never see happen. Um, And then he really asks also about how do we help our pastors to see the need for this. And I think that's the question that probably. The real, yeah. So what would you say to the rural youth pastor? Really? I mean, and we have listeners all throughout, you know, even in other countries, but like, what would you say to a, a youth pastor about leading up and helping a pastor to understand the need for a re, for reevaluation? I think you begin by making an appointment with the pastor and you ask for an hour. I don't think you will always get an hour, but I think you ask for an hour. If he won't do that, you ask for 30 minutes. You're hoping for a meeting where you close the door, no interruptions, and you can methodically help him think some brand new thoughts. This is not going to be a brief conversation. I think you start with whatever you perceive to be his mission, his vision for the church. And I know some student ministers are frustrated because they can't really get the pastor to articulate that. But some pastors can give you hints. For instance, if they've created a mission statement or a vision statement, if there's something on the wall of the church, that's probably a pretty good hint that that's important to him. But to whatever degree you can, You try to say, Pastor, I think I can do more to help you achieve your vision for this church as we rethink some of the things that we're doing in and with teenagers. So you start with his direction, his heart, because obviously you're going to get a better hearing that way. Then I think the next subject that you would raise is, Pastor, would it help us achieve your vision 
if we had 18-year-olds graduating out of youth group that actually look like disciples of Jesus, in other words, 18-year-olds that have made a conscious decision, I'm going to follow Christ. And so consequently, the following fall, uh, they're on a college campus actually making a difference in the world. They're doing a Bible study in their dorm room. They're participating in student worship on campus. They're connected to a local church, dramatically connected to a local church. If they're in the military, it's exactly the same thing. In other words, they look enough like a disciple that they're walking with Jesus in intimacy, embracing his supremacy, and the outflow of that is they are living and doing those things that people do that follow Jesus. So to, so I think what you help him think concretely is, Pastor, when we line those high school graduates up on our platform in May, would it seem important to you that we could count more of them as actual disciples of Jesus? And I think he's probably going to agree with that. Then you say, Pastor, the way we've been making disciples Actually, it's a model that started in the 1950s. It came directly out of World War II and the birth of the parachurch organizations. By the way, those parachurch organizations were created to be evangelistic. They were to reach students that the church wasn't reaching. The parachurch groups were never meant to be discipling and sending organizations. They were evangelistic, but we brought that into the church, and we assumed that parachurch model of a young youth minister and his little group that stay together all the time and are not really part of the rest of the church. We thought that parachurch thing would work well, so we did that mostly uh, for 60 years. But, Pastor, we think in our day there, there may be uh, some changes that we can make in that model that would enable us to make many, many more disciples and through them change the world. I think he would find that interesting, and he would say, you, you're saying that there are some things we could do, certainly during the student ministry years, but but actually birth through 18, that, that would be more important in making disciples. Yes, sir, I think so. Well, tell me, tell me what's on your mind. And then you're prepared. You know exactly what you're going to say, and you say, Pastor, I'd like to recommend two or three changes. And obviously, in my mind at least, you, you would be raising these very, very important issues that were raised in the article. Then you say, Pastor, I am fully aware that the kind of changes we're talking about are, are systemic changes. They're, they're changes down in the DNA of the church. Pastor, I cannot do this. I don't have the, I don't have the capital. I don't have the strength to make those kinds of changes in the life of the church. Only you, you're the only one that our people can look to for that kind of change. So pastor, I'm asking, how can I assist you? How can I walk beside you as you lead the church in making some changes that, that only you can make? And, 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 and then you just see what he says. If he says, you know, a couple of things you're bringing up, actually those sound uh, helpful to me. And I would have to admit, I would have to admit, I'm probably going to have to do a lot of that from the pulpit. So yeah, let, let's figure out how, how we can do this together. If that meeting goes well, then I think you can take some slow, concrete, behind the scenes steps first, and then you can begin to roll this out a little bit more for the congregation and hopefully lead the church to make some pretty good sized changes. Now, now what those changes are, uh, we, we need to discuss that in relationship to the four points, but I'm just talking right, about right, overall, yeah. overall a process. I think you start with the senior pastor in a long conversation, and then you figure out how you and he do this side by side. All right, that's great. I think, I think too, the, that sometimes a conversation like that, it's important, especially if you're 
if you're quite a bit younger than your senior pastor, maybe recognizing that that may be a few conversations over time, but at least to start and work toward that um, sometimes is helpful, at least in, 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 in my experience. It takes a few, sometimes it takes more than one conversation to like get some momentum, but I, I love that. That's, I mean, cause that's super practical and helpful. Like that's not just a go talk to your pastor. That's good advice. And that's. Yeah. And, and just the, and just a reminder to the listener, the, the, a lot of this conversation up to this point is only going to make sense if you've read the article, because <laughs> everything we're talking about is in the context of like the four points. And um, what you would be taking to your pastor, you know, so again, I can't, I can't encourage enough to make sure you've taken a moment to read this and a few times read what we what we're talking about here. Um, Trent Nolan, also one of our longtime listeners, Dr. Ross, um, he writes specifically after the pastor question, how do we effectively communicate this to the parents to get them to see the value here? Um, so what are your thoughts about, do you think that would be part of the next step once you start to get the pastor on board is to get the parents on board as well? Uh, it would be absolutely essential. Uh, really, there's a, a, a longer process that I have in mind that we're not detailing here. Uh, let me just hit a couple of high spots. You can take as much I, time I, as you'd like, Dr. Ross. Oh, thank you. I, I think one of the first things you and the pastor do is you lead the church in a process of defining an 18-year-old disciple. I think most churches, most church members would have a hard time putting that into words. So here, here briefly is what I would do. If, if I were called to be a youth pastor in a church today, I promise you this is what I would try to invite the senior pastor to do with me. I would pull together two or three core, core youth leaders, youth volunteers. I mean, they love Jesus. They love students. They understand what we're trying to accomplish. I would grab two or three core youth parents. I'm talking about the parents that want to launch kids that are going to change the world for the glory of Christ. And I would try to get one or two students, once again, core students that get it about what we're actually trying to accomplish in, in, in our student ministry. Then I would grab one or two Adults not at all related directly to student ministry, maybe maybe a little bit midlife, whatnot, but these are influencers. People pay attention to these people, and they are transformed. They are spiritually sensitive enough that they'll understand what you're trying to accomplish, but, but they also have the ear of the church. I would put those people in a room with whiteboards all the way around or tear sheets all the way around. And really with the pastor taking the direct lead, but the student minister right there with him, I would ask that group to create a statement about what an 18-year-old disciple is. I think Bibles are out. You dig through some scriptures. Obviously, pastor, student pastor have already done a little homework. They, they, they know passages they're going to point people to. You start pulling out of people phrases at the whiteboard. You start saying, oh, notice this word relates to this word. Oh, we could tie this to this. Oh, that's sort of a duplicate way of saying this. So let's let's erase that. You, you, you just begin creating a statement, maybe two sentences, maybe three sentences. And of course, you know, I, I'm a guy, I write books. I could create a statement, put it in a book and say, well, but you know, I think that's a really bad plan. I think for that statement to have power, the church itself needs to create it. It needs to fit their context. It needs to fit their vocabulary. And 
little side issue, the pastor needs to own this. He, he needs to heart and soul believe it. So if he helps create it, if it has his fingerprints on it, that's going to be better. So after, after that group does the hard work and creates this statement, an 18-year-old disciple is... Then I think you, you'd go out one concentric circle. Maybe, maybe you pull together all of the youth leaders. Maybe you pull together a few more teenagers. Uh, maybe you pull in whatever you have, elders, deacons. Maybe they become part of an intermediate process. You're headed toward the full church, but you're, you're increasing the probability that all is going to go well with the full church. So I think there's some intermediate group where you get advocates, you get people that understand exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And then... At some gathering of the church, if the church has anything that resembles a business meeting or if there's some gathering of the church, uh, maybe other than Sunday morning, I think the pastor just says, you know, uh, our church exists to, to make disciples of all people. And one of the ways we do that is we make disciples of our own kids, our own children here in the church. And some of us have been trying to think very carefully, what, what's the point? What is it we're trying to create? And we just want to, to place before you a statement. And it could be for, for Calvary Baptist Church, this, this kind of says what, what we're trying. And then you, you present that and you ask for feedback. Uh, I, I would say at that Point, you're going to be very conservative about making dramatic changes because you've got people that have already invested a tremendous amount of time and they're clear thinking people. So I'm not going to have a guy on the back row jump up and turn the thing upside down. But but you do want to, to give the congregation some ability to tweak a little bit, once again, for ownership. Once that statement is in place, then I think you have a, a series of meetings. And, and the first meeting, I think maybe the most important meeting would be with parents of teenagers. Now, I, I speak in a different church every Sunday. And generally what I do on Sunday morning is we dismiss the adult classes during Bible study. And all of those people come to the auditorium or, or sometimes a fellowship hall. And I speak to those people for, for an hour about how to spiritually impact their kids. The reason I'm saying that is this. Churches used to invite me, hey, Doc, come Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, we're going to have donuts and you can teach parents stuff. <laughs> and we would have, you know, a handful of the best parents in the church that need no help. Mm -hmm. And we, what we wouldn't have would be the, the poorest, weakest parents of the church. And I now I just say, let's not do that. Let's get the weakest parents in the room and let's do it by doing it on Sunday morning. So I would say to, to any youth pastor listening today, if you can possibly convince the senior pastor that this has value, I think you bring the parents together during that Bible teaching hour. Either either the parents of the teenagers or another possibility is all parents to really talk together about birth to 18, how do we make disciples? But in that meeting with as many parents as you can have, I think the pastor leads part of that. He might even do the, the scripture part of that to say, what does the word of God say? And then you then you deal with very, very practical issues. Yesterday, I was with 15 youth pastors over lunch in a suburb of Fort Worth, and, and we spent our entire lunch hour talking about that specific meeting right there. Hmm. Now, this is going to sound strange to people, but I would even advocate beginning that meeting with the question, are you certain you're redeemed? Now, you don't say that in a mean and a harsh way, but I think you have to build this thing from the ground up. And you walk those baptized parents back through 
their salvation experience and help them figure out. When 20 of us ran to the front during vacation Bible school and we all mumbled some prayer that somebody said, were you experiencing heart transformation? Were you redeemed in that moment? Did you repent? Did you turn from your sin? Anyway, I think that's the beginning point. I think the reason some parents are doing so poorly in spiritual leadership is they never met Jesus, even though they're baptized and they attend church some of the time. So, but even for the, for the believers, it will help them to relive that commitment. And then you ask them, if you are a child of God, then what's the purpose of your life? Why do you exist on this earth? And so you, you give scripture and you show them why, why they, why they exist, what their purpose in life is. Then you ask them, what is the purpose of your family? Why does your family exist on the earth as a unit? Why do the four of you as a unit exist? And of course, you lay that all out about the glory of God and whatnot. Then finally, you say, then why does your teenager exist? What is the, why is your teenager on this earth? When, when they're 18, how do you want them prepared for what they're actually to do here on earth? The reason I'm giving you this stair step is you cannot guilt parents into, would you quit letting your kids do travel ball four Sunday mornings in a row. Just you can't guilt them into stopping that. They're not going to stop that. All these things that's frustrating us, them going to the beach every other weekend, sleeping in when the family's had a busy week. All of those things are not going to go away unless you start at the beginning and help them remember, I gave my life to Jesus for his glory. That's why I exist. And here I am as a parent. I'm raising kids that exist for the glory of God. My kids exist to make disciples of all people. Oh my gosh, I'm making some decisions that are not going to fulfill that purpose at all. I think you have to build it slowly, step by step. And then toward the end of the hour, then you say, parents, what we're inviting you to consider is to have your child at age 18 ready to live an adult life for the glory of Christ, change the world, have gospel conversations, live in righteousness, what what does that mean in terms of your family calendar? What does that mean in terms of when you have to make choices between pitching camp and the youth mission trip? What does that mean in terms of I, my evening is so full of social media and everything else I like to do as a parent, I have no time to have a faith conversation with my child. In other words, then you can raise those very practical issues, not in a preachy way, not in an ugly way, but you're very gently saying, Parents, we're inviting you to think through carefully how the life of your family is either helping to build a disciple or perhaps is not helping to build a disciple. I think for some parents, that hour could really flip them in a new direction. Now, that doesn't mean the battle's over, obviously, but I think I think you could start parents thinking some new ways in an hour's time. And I guess one of the reasons I have confidence in that is I do this every single Sunday. Of course, I'm not part of the church. I don't have the strength of a senior pastor. But but even as an outsider, when I go over these things in an hour, I'm watching very sharp, very bright, middle-aged adults who are very successful in many pieces of their lives. I'm watching them just ball and walk up to me and say, Brother Ross, I've got to go home and make some major changes at my house. They figure that out in an hour. So I think that I think that meeting is important and that would be the first meeting I would have. You, you remind guys, you remind them of their first love. That's exactly right. Exactly Jeez. right. 
Man. You take them back to the very beginning. Otherwise, why, why should they change? They yeah. don't have a reason to change if you don't do that. Mm, that's good. Now, now, I've got two, two other meetings to suggest. I don't know if y'all want Keep me going, to man. Come on. Going. Well, I have okay. one question before you go to the next one, though. Were there chips and salsa served at this meeting of youth pastors yesterday in Fort Worth? Because I miss Fort Worth chips and salsa. It's not relevant to the conversation, but I just can't help but ask. No chips and salsa, only uh, Cane's chicken, but Cane's chicken can Cane's be a chicken is good, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's some good chicken. That's like that's like Texas Chick-fil-A right there. So, um, yeah, okay. Okay, next one. Here we go. Okay, I think another Sunday, maybe a few months down the road, whatnot, I think, once again, you kill every adult Bible study group on Sunday morning for adults, and you bring the whole lot of them to the auditorium. In a major, in a big church with multiple services, you might have to do this thing a couple of times. But I think you get all the adults in there, all the children and all the teenagers are being cared for properly. So obviously you've got to make arrangements for that. But but with the exception of, of skeleton teachers and care, every other adult is there. And I think without young people in the room, the senior pastor and the student pastor speak very openly and articulately about the adults changing their mentality, changing the way they relate to younger generation. And, and I think you could just say to them, people, we, we acknowledge that for 60 years, we sort of thought if you could put teenagers in a room, give them a couple of leaders and do that for six years, they would come out looking like Jesus. We, 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 we actually thought that was really going to be the, the main thing. And we have figured out that probably was never part of the plan of Jesus. What, the, what Jesus seems to be saying uh, in Scripture is young people are to be part of the entire church. They're to have relationships with the entire church. They're to love the entire church. And the only way they can do that is for us to pull those young people more into relationships with adults. And we need more young people serving side by side with you adults doing the ministry of the church. And, and I think you just say, hey, this is not going to happen overnight. We know that. We just spent years convincing these young people that church is spending 99% of your time with people just like you, your age. So it's going to take a little while to change their mentality. And you adults that are kind of used to walking by people in the hall, not speaking, not relating to them at all. It's going to take a little bit for you to warm back up into those relationships. But we need you to do that. The research is absolutely firm. If I graduate high school, and my only significant relationships in the church are with my peers and a few youth leaders, I am not going to show up in the local church for the next decades of my life. It's just not going to happen because I'm leaving the church with a memory. I love and I'm committed to the youth group. I don't love and I'm not committed to the church. It's the youth group. So the only antidote to that is to pull the kids much more into the full life of the church. I say again, I believe in age group ministry. Some of the time you, you cannot teach the Bible any better than in a group of teenagers with great leaders. I just believe in it. But we've got to balance that. We've got to balance that. If you've got two or three ladies that go down and work in crisis pregnancies on Saturday, I need to find two or three teenage girls that have a heart for that ministry. And I need to connect them with those ladies 
in part because those teenagers are expressing their ministry that way, but also the very fact that they're doing that together builds heart connections between those adults and those young people. You can take every ministry of the church and apply that same thought to it. Why we somehow assume that only adults can do all of these ministries, I don't know where that came from. The young people are very competent, and if we are actually discipling them week by week, they will be prepared to do those things. Plus, you've got kids walking in the back door of the auditorium before worship, and they're looking over that congregation, and more often their thought would be, these are my people. I belong to this. This is my church family. And when they do graduate and they do go off to the big bad university, their tendency is going to be to say, my church was so important to me for 18 years. There's got to be another church that I can relate to in this college town. I'm going to get out of a dorm full of sleeping people on Sunday morning, and I'm going to go find me another one of those because it was the church that was important to me. So I just think you have a come to Jesus meeting with the adults and you really help them shift their thinking and you give them very practical ways that they can begin to reach out and build relationships with young people again. And you help them think very concretely about the adult ministries of the church and how you're going to begin to move young people into those relationships. Third and final meeting would be with the youth volunteers, the, the, your, your youth leadership team. And obviously that's going to be a more laid back meeting. That, that's probably a much, much smaller group. But I really think it would help to have the senior pastor sitting at a table along with the student pastor, not in any kind of punitive way. The senior pastor is just sitting there saying, man, I want to listen to y'all. I, I want to just be a part of the conversation as we think about how to really, really disciple these kids. Uh, what, what I'm an advocate for is this. One open group Bible study a week, open group meaning any teenager can walk in, sit down, study the Bible. Teenagers that are lost fit in perfectly. Teenagers that are saved and spiritually shallow fit in perfectly. You work on building community. You help people to enjoy a group like that. You do deal with fundamentals, fundamentals of the Christian life uh, through scripture. I, I just believe in that. You know, in, in the old Southern Baptist world that I live in, most churches are doing that on Sunday morning, and I don't have any problem with that. I think Sunday morning is a perfectly fine time to do open group Bible study. I think you do it as well as you can possibly do it, but that has value. But the complement to that is what I call covenant group Bible study. Some call it closed group. I hate that term. I call it covenant group Bible study, which simply means we bring together probably a smaller group of young people who have made some kind of conscious decision, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm not talking about little Billy Grahams. I'm just talking about guys and girls that have been growing and, and they've reached a point where they go, I get it. I understand what the whole point of this is. I am to be a disciple of Jesus. I need to be discipled for that really to happen. So I am willing to commit myself to that process. That's who I'm talking about. You mean next youth, level. You're talking next level. They're ready to go to the next level in their walk, in their faith, almost like a, like a D team or like a D group or discipleship group type thing. Is that what you're referring to? Absolutely. That is perfectly what I'm what I'm referring to. What is common across our churches is I have open groups on Sunday morning and I have open groups on Wednesday night. It's y'all come Sunday morning and it's y'all come Wednesday night. It's those strategically. Those are the same thing. 
you know, there's a, a finite amount of time that people are going to give us at church. Th- those hours are finite. And so the question is, what is most strategic with our time? I am thrilled, wonderful, supportive of a student worship service on Wednesday night. I think doing student worship in a way that's more culturally relevant to the teenagers, I'm all good with that. So I'm not talking about taking that away. I'm just saying if there's going to be a second Bible study slash discipleship session, I think the strategy for that is we are going to pull together those specific young people who want to be discipled. And because they're motivated, they would commit to at least three things. One thing they would commit to is attendance. They're saying to their very small group, hey, if y'all are going to show up, if y'all are going to be here, I'm committing to you as well as Jesus. I'm committing to you. I'm going to be here. If we're not literally putting granny in the ground during a funeral, I'm going to be here every single time. They also make a commitment on study and preparation. If our discipleship process means we're supposed to have something ready, if we're supposed to study something, if we're supposed to fill something out, I'm committing that I'm going to do that every single time. I'm not going to come in here and waste y'all's time. I'm going to be ready. Third commitment is I'm committing that I'm going to be open and transparent. I'm going to, I'm going to hold anything that is said confidentially in this group. I'm committing myself to a relationship of transparency and grace-filled accountability. I'm telling y'all on the front end that I'm all good with that. So I think in a perfect world, you have about three guys or three girls and probably two leaders, one leader that is being discipled as an adult, and then another adult who is an apprentice. That apprentice is watching and learning how this thing works so that they can also lead a group because you want this thing to multiply. So in those very tiny ratios, Every teenager is involved every single week. In fact, I think in in the wisest approach, those teenagers are helping to lead that group. In fact, in the material that we've worked on, we've got things we hand to all three teenagers so they'll know specifically what their leadership role is the next time. They're leading it within a relationship of one to three or actually two to three. Transparency is far easier, and kids actually have time to talk about my life, what's going on with me, how does this passage relate to my life. Instead of kids leaning against the wall with 15 or 20 friends and not ever saying anything very significant about their lives, in those small ratios, we really can get to that. That environment, in my mind, is where we deal with core doctrine, ethics, apologetics, worldview servant leadership, spiritual disciplines, uh, just the basic content that makes up a a discipleship. And right now, with open group Bible study on Sunday morning, it's never going to be that. We're going to work through Bible passages. We're going to work through books of the Bible. We're going to do God's big story. I think those are wonderful topics on Sunday morning. But then the question is, then, okay, when are the kids getting their apologetics? When are they learning how to have gospel conversations? Where is that happening? And who would who would even be willing to study that stuff? Well, it's the kids that have decided they want to be disciples. The masses will not do that. If you walk in on Sunday morning and say, oh, we're going to do a great series on apologetics, you're going to get a lot of rolling eyes. I think it is time for us to literally start discipling those who have a heart to be discipled. And if that means I've got a youth group of 30 and only eight 
are interested in discipleship, I think you take that eight, you pour your life into them, and then you grow that ministry slowly over time. I think you come to the end of a, of a youth camp, and on the last night of youth camp, you say, guys, girls, have, has God done something in your life this week that will cause you, when we get home, to enter our discipleship process? I think you do the same thing at the end of a retreat or disciple now. So you're always, always moving kids whose hearts are now warm into that discipleship process. And then I think we've got 18-year-olds that just look way different from what we've been creating so many times in the past. That's so good. I love it. I I literally had a conversation yesterday at our church with uh, one of our pastors, and I was just saying, like, you know, 20 years, I, I so I've been been doing youth ministry, I've been a youth pastor for 20 years. We've, other than technology, the the general approach to student ministry over 20 years is identical to what it was and and the results are scary like we're, we're not winning this battle and yet we we seem to be with the church big c church at least in the western world so consumed with numbers and so um so focused on the what has become an easy pattern for us of student ministry that we really haven't stopped to think and evaluate even practically, like where do we go from here? Like we all, we're all pointing at the problem, but no one's really giving practical solutions. And man, I feel like today I've been drinking water through a fire hose. It's so good. I have like pages of, of things um, written down and super helpful. I think it would be worth mentioning Dr. Ross too. Like, uh, you know, as a 49 year old and having been around this a little while, I hear all, I hear everything you're saying and, and I, I know that what you're really saying is this is, this is, this is not going to happen overnight in anybody's youth group. Correct. Um, that it's important if, if you're in your twenties, early thirties to remember that you're not driving a speedboat here, you're trying to turn a massive ship. And that the approach that you just laid out for us, um, that I think folks are going to need to, you know, rewind, listen to a couple different times, and then prayerfully think through how this impacts the context in which you have been placed by God. Um, but this is not a, okay, I'm going to make a decision now to make a change, and I'm going to announce it this Sunday night, and we're going to make the change. We're going to be a new youth group now. But this is a this is going to need to be in order to be successful a very strategic, well thought out. And I would I would venture to say this is this is not even in a month. This is like start to see some shift in six maybe, but this is more like a year long, even years process. Is that fair? That's exactly fair. And I would say that would be true of a 20 or 30 something. And it would also be true of a 40 something. Sure. Because because it, it's not a, an issue of experience. It's an issue of, as you say, turning the ship of the church in a new direction. And that that is not going to happen overnight. But number one, you make a commitment to stay in a church long enough to see actual change. And then number two, you just stay focused on where you're going. You always know this is where I'm headed. This is where I'm headed. I know where I am in the process right now. I know what I need to do next. And you just keep pressing. You just keep pressing forward. 
I would say, you know, with somebody thinking, what, what do I do when I, when I get off the podcast? I would say probably the issue of intensive discipleship would be an issue you could address first, because I think the student minister himself can say a lot more and do a lot more about that than some of the other issues that are more churchwide issues. So I think you could say, what month do I want to begin really discipling those fewer kids who want to follow Jesus? And then what do I have to do between now and that time out there in the future to be ready for that thing to sing and not, and not flounder? Uh, If I could quickly say, I think probably the first thing you do is you find a couple of men and a couple of ladies that at least look, open to the possibility of really discipling teenagers and you disciple them. You may be, maybe during Sunday morning Bible study, you pull them out of whatever they're doing. And and after you get the teenagers settled, maybe you just bring them to the office and y'all just sit in a circle of chairs and you just pour into them and you're showing them how a group can function and what deep prayer is. And, and so that takes a while and you do that over a period of weeks. And then when you feel like they're spiritually ready, then you give them each groups to, to that would be an example of I know where I'm headed, but I'm taking some intervening steps to get ready for that. Man, that's so good. That's so good. This has all been great. And I think what's great also, Dr. Ross, about the way you, you really have covered the, when it, when it comes to the four points that you make in the article, article that caused us to ask you to come on, um, the plan that you laid out addresses all of those things and, and ultimately helps lay out a path, a practical path on how to deal you know, with those issues. Um, and I don't think it's necessary for us to dig in specifically to each one of those, because I think we could spend an entire podcast on each one of the four points, honestly. Um, and we want to honor your time this morning. Um, that said, how would we, if folks are interested in, interested in connecting with you, uh, hearing more from you, how would they find you? What would be the best place for us to, to point back to? Well, I have a website. Uh, actually, by the grace of God, lots of youth pastors come around that site and seem to find help. It is richardaross.com. You got to get the A in there, richardaross.com. Uh, all the books and resources we've done are there. Uh, lots of information about discipling young people. Uh, my travel calendar, information about my traveling ministry is all there. Uh, I would say that website would be helpful to people. And And if folk are looking for one strategic reading suggestion coming out of this particular podcast. What I would recommend that people read is Youth Ministry That Lasts a Lifetime. Youth Ministry That Lasts a Lifetime. Actually, it sums up everything that we've been talking about in this podcast. In fact, on page 72, there is a model, a physical model of what youth ministry would look like that actually leads to the making of 18-year-old disciples. So that might be an interesting reading assignment for people to take after the podcast. Oh, that's great. And where I'll would they sure find that? Would that be Amazon or would that be uh, more so find that on your website? Both uh, and it looks like. Yeah, both and. Both and. Uh, it is on Amazon all the time or, or off the website just as well. Great. Great. That's we'll great. put links that's for great. that in the show notes so folks can snag both as well as the article um, so they can check that out and read that and Dr. Ross, uh, we're always super grateful for your time, man. Just yeah, thank you so much. Wondering if you might end, Dr. Ross, by by 
every once in a while, I just feel like it's a great moment to allow someone like yourself who does love youth pastors. You know, there's, there's folks literally listening right now. Some, some folks are sitting in their office listening. Some folks are driving in their car. Somebody's in their shower. Who knows where? Um, Nobody does uh, that. People, people that, uh, yeah, they do. Um, People though, ultimately that love teenagers and, and, and there's no doubt that there are some folks that might be discouraged out there. Some folks that are having a great time. But wondering if you might just speak just a word of encouragement to those folks as we sign off here and just a word of blessing on them, if you, if you would. I can easily do that. Uh, you know, some of us are going to die unexpectedly, you know, car wreck, different things. But some of us will live a longer life and probably end up in something like hospice. And, and I think, you know, if we still have our right mind, and you're lying in hospice, the question we're all going to be asking ourselves is, did my life matter? Was I just taking up earth resources or did somehow my life matter? And, and I would say for student pastors, I think they're going to die really, really well and very peacefully because student pastors are going to be able to think back and say, by the grace of God, my life did matter. And, and faces and names will begin to come to our minds. And we will think of young people who, who turned a corner in life, even young people who were just making horrible mistakes with their lives and kids that were coming out of chaotic homes where there were all kinds of messes. And by the grace of God, you know, healing has come and health has come and well-being has come. I, I just would say, even though we as student pastors, we're never going to have the salaries of some of the people we went to college with. We're never going to have the social status of some of the people we went to school with. But I think we're going to die really well because we're going to know my life was not marked by, oh, did you make, make your quota of selling widgets for the year? My life is not going to be measured by that. My life is going to be measured by change in the lives of human beings for the glory of God. I cannot think of a better way to invest one's life. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking of as a guy that is on the tail end of those years. And I am asking myself, hey, the fact that I never did, quote, grow up and turn towards some other ministry, the fact that I stayed focused on teenagers, I'm telling you, it has been a great, great life. I jump out of bed at four o'clock every morning as excited as I can be to get to this seminary to speak into the lives of youth leaders. I just don't think there is any more exciting way of life <laughs> that I can even imagine. Adults bless their hearts. that their, their hearts are already colder. Change is more difficult. Teenagers are pliable. They, they can be exuberant about something they come to believe in. I just think hang in there, serve as long as God will allow you to serve with young people. And in doing so, you will absolutely live a life that matters. Wow. Well, can't thank you enough for spending a little time with us this morning. But want to make sure, though, that we just say thank you. And folks, please take a moment to go check out the resources that, that Dr. Ross mentioned. And if you've not read the article, you made it all the way through. It'll make a whole lot more sense if you go back and read the article. So we'll make sure we link to that as well. Um, so, but again, thank you, Dr. Ross. We appreciate you big time. It's been a great conversation. Awesome. All righty. Thank you. Well, the question is, did, did you read the article? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep pounding that. I know. <laughs> 
Yep, yep, yep. So, so good. Uh, every time, every time, every time Dr. Ross is on the show, I come away with tons of notes and I just yeah. sit and listen like I'm in class. Well, and he's super kind to give us time. I mean, he is a busy guy, and but he but the reason he gives time is he's passionate about it. And I, and I also appreciate the fact, and I think there's something we can learn from him. And you and I talked about this off camera or, or off recording a little bit, at, you know, after we hung up with him. You know, because he is an older guy. He's got to be in his late 60s, early 70s now, right? And, sure, yeah. Um, there's an urgency. Yeah. To what he's doing. Well, and even like we, you know, we saw him at Conclave when we were at Conclave and we talked to him about coming yeah. on. Again, and there was an urgency. Even in that. And he was just going on stage for like two minutes to yeah. talk about something. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that we all need to live at that same level of urgency, but I do think there's something maybe to learn there about the fact that every once in a while we probably do need to get a little more serious about what we're doing. You yeah, know? for Probably sure. something to learn from that. Because what we're dealing with is the hearts um, and souls of teenagers. Yeah. And it's important that we're good and it's important that we're paying attention to this stuff. So, yeah, super so smart. So, anyway, that guy's there you forgotten, go, folks. He's forgotten more about student ministry than you and I will ever learn. Sheesh, man. Did you catch the moment in there too where he kind of he kind of corrected me? So he was my professor back in seminary. Uh-huh. And at one point I'm like, "Yeah, so if you're like a 20-something year old or a 30-something year old and he corrected, did you catch that?" Yeah, huh? He called he, you out. He called me out. He's like, "Well, no, actually, any age." Yeah, even like, he just, <laughs> I was like, "Crap. Still being you're like, still being schooled." But did you eat nachos? In a good way. Did you eat chips and salsa? He wasn't in like trying yeah, to trying right. to trying to kiss up and then he was like, "Nope. Kane's chicken." Yep. Anyway. anyway, cool. Hey, be sure uh, to head over and check out aerosport.fun. Aerosport.fun. And a also, great our friends over at YM360, we're grateful for both. Use the promo code LONGERHAUL at either of them and save some money. They're good. For sure. Uh, we'll yep. have links in the show notes at uh, over there. And then make sure you also, um, if you haven't already, join our Super Secret Podcast group. We have good times over there. Good discussion. A lot of the que- the questions from today's episode came out yeah, of that group. A couple of yeah, it's great. So it's a good spot to. Uh, occasionally we'll do that. Like either this one came because they posted the article, but a lot of times if we're interviewing somebody, we'll ask if anybody has questions, um, and we can use those as well. So anyway, I think that does it for today. Yeah, big time fun. Thank you guys. Appreciate awesome. you, Jody. Thanks, you guys. We'll yep. see you in the next episode. Peace out.